Scripture today is Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. Again, it's printed for you there, so let's follow as I read. Again, Exodus 3, 13 through 16. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is His name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And He said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together, and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. Thus far, God's holy, inspired, and infallible Word. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, we pray now Your Holy Spirit to teach us. We pray that You would give understanding to our hearts and minds. Enable us, Lord, to digest it and to be able to share it with other people. We pray, Lord, that uh, this hour of worship would be especially precious to us as we gather around Your Holy Word. And we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. In today's passage, we find God continuing to speak with Moses from within the burning bush. He has warned the unexpectedly weak shepherd that the presence of the Lord makes the ground on which he stands holy ground. He proceeds to reject Moses' expectations of living out his life in Midian. And he is hereby called to lead the suffering Israelites out of Egypt, organize them as a nation, and bring them to the promised land in Canaan. But Moses, who once was the mighty prince of Egypt, now wonders if he is up to the task. You may recall in our previous study, he says, Who am I that I should take on this task? Well, God responds with a promise to be with him through it all. I will be with you, he says. And that really is good news. If God is with us, if God is for us, then who can stand against us? That's the Apostle Paul speaking. God responds with a promise to be with him through it all, and Moses' authority before suspicious Israelites and a mocking Pharaoh is nothing less than the name of the Lord. What will he take with him as a credential? What will he take as a means to grab hold of these people and say, follow Moses? Well, he will take the name of the Lord. 
And he'll take it in a new form. I am who I am. Tell them, I am has sent you. The name of the Lord is the subject of our study this morning, especially uh, considering these, these three names of the, of the Lord. First of all, Elohim, which simply means God. And then Yahweh or Jehovah, which is really the, the name that the Lord says here will be His name forever, the name that He's to be remembered by. And then finally, I am who I am. So we begin with uh, this point, and that is, what is His name? That's the anticipated question, but also an expression of doubt from the Israelites. In other words, Moses says, I know when I go to them, they're going to ask this question, what is His name? And as they ask it, they're saying, are you really going to give us a name that we've never heard, uh, an authority, a credential that uh, will change our attitude. So let's ask this question. What is His his name? I've given you three uh, designations. Elohim, which is just God, or Yahweh, which is the covenant name that God says that He will give to His people. And then the, the I Am. To give someone your name is to invite that person to be your friend. Now, that's true today to a, a large extent, but uh, back in the ancient times, it uh, maybe carried a little more weight than it does for us today. Well, we often say to people that we meet in social situations, you know, what is your name? And go on to ask where they come from and so forth. But uh, in these older times, uh, when you ask someone for their name, They didn't just throw it out to you as though that's what everybody does. They were a little reluctant because, indeed, that was a request, can I be your friend? Will you be my friend? And God looks at it just in that way, that when He gives us His name, He says, I want to be your friend. I will be your friend if you take my name seriously and you hold it with reverence and you hold it with respect and you, you hold it in a loving way. I will be your friend. So to grant the use of one's name, and in particular here God's name, is to promise the power associated with it. Now we often talk about people who are name droppers because we uh, think, you know, if I tell, well, once I met this movie star, once I met this politician, or once I met this famous businessman, Uh, That gives me some cachet. Well, to use God's name, and again, we're looking at this from the perspective of those ancient times, is to have the power that's associated with it. If you invoke the name of the Lord, then a certain power, a certain authority, a certain drive, and uh, a certain uh, forceful application goes along with that. So they're asking the Israelites, as anticipated by Moses, they're they're asking uh, what power will be associated with this name. We get lots of names, they say. There are all kinds of of gods in Egypt that have names. But what will it do us? What good will it be for us? 
And God is in effect saying to them, I'll, I'll give you my name in, in various kinds of ways, and when it's used, there will be power behind it. Things will happen. Things will change. Uh, when, when you come to me and ask me for something, I will grant it because you know my name, you're my friend. But when you take it to others like Pharaoh and so forth, when you use that name, Pharaoh will listen. And we'll find that Moses, when he does go to Pharaoh eventually, Pharaoh doesn't say to him immediately, he gets around to it later, but he doesn't say immediately, oh, get out of here. Rather, he kind of is taken aback. The name of Yahweh, Jehovah, the name I Am, of course Moses doesn't tell him that name, but the the whole idea that uh, this name has authority, that the true God has given His name to His people and now they're going to use it in a powerful way. This is what seems now to be coming about. You'll find the name Yahweh as far back as Genesis 2. Now a little later in Genesis 4, uh, we read that people finally began to call on the name of the Lord. And then when we get around to the children of Israel, we find that they're not using it very much at all. And uh, God's point in all this is that you haven't really used My name. You haven't really uh, taken the power that this name has and applied it. But when Moses gets there, when Moses becomes your leader, that name will take on great significance. The, uh, the name Yahweh and the name I Am, which is something like Yehyeh, Yehyeh, uh, they're very much a part of the verb to be, the same I Am. So you're not really far apart when you have Yahweh and I Am. They're, they're really very much the same. They just come at it from a bit of a different angle. One is third person. One is first person. One is uh, somewhat oriented toward the future. The other more toward the present. But this name is, is God's name that He gives to His people that will go beyond just the idea of God or in Egyptian minds, another one of the gods. This is the God. This is the God of power. This is the God who loves His people and you better pay attention to Him. And Pharaoh will say, well, I never heard this name before. And in effect, Moses says, but you're going to hear a lot of it from now on. In declaring His name to be I Am, Yahweh, Jehovah, clarifies two things with the people especially. His uniqueness, there's no God like this. I Am the One. I Am He. And His eternal being. This is the God, not just who's appeared on the scene but the God who is from all eternity. This is the Creator God. This is God who is self-sufficient and needs no help from anybody else. And through Moses, God is commanding the Israelites to yield to Him alone. There's all these other Egyptian gods and probably the influence of even some of the Canaanite gods that uh, have come into their midst that they remembered from olden times. But God is saying, I am God. There's no other. In fact, that's exactly what He says in Isaiah. I am the Lord and there is no other. And you yield to Me alone and then you depend on Me alone. And uh, through the history of Israel, they, they really got away from this because oftentimes they would say, well, we have Jehovah as our God, Yahweh is our God, but 
we could use a little help from some of these other gods as well. And uh, they would often go to uh, these pagan gods and say, you know, Jehovah hasn't quite gotten it done. How about you helping us too? Of course, they're just talking to, to nothing when they do that. But that was in their minds and hearts. Now, again, if you go back all the way to Genesis, these Israelites in Egypt would have had this name passed along generation after generation after generation up until this time. But they weren't really taking it all that seriously. Yahweh was just another one of the gods that that they were familiar with in name, but not really in practice. And so Moses is saying, remember the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. That's the God that you're dealing with and that's the only God there is. He is the great I Am. He is the unique, the one, the only, the self-sufficient, the eternal God. And yet, we also have an interesting thing in the New Testament. Because there comes into the world the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He takes human flesh, He dwells among us, and He has a name. And specifically, God, Yahweh, had said, you shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. So really have a fourth name among the three that I've mentioned. Just God in general, and Yahweh, and I Am. You have Jesus. And the Lord says through the Apostle, that He has the name which is above every name. That even if you have all the other names, even if you have the name I Am, you still haven't got it all until you have Jesus. And we're called upon to take the name seriously. And Jesus comes and says, I want to be your friend. And I want to be your Savior. And I want to give you power. All power in heaven and earth is given unto me, He says. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Remember the name then that is above every name. And that name belongs to Jesus. But we're not saying that Jesus is not I Am, or that He's not Yahweh, or that He's not God as generally people think of God. We're saying that He has all those names, and when you have Jesus, you have all the rest of it. What is His name? Well, I hope I've laid that out for you. Secondly, we have, this is my name forever. God says this is verse 15. This is my name forever. This is my memorial name. And it's God's enthusiastic comment. Do you pick that up as we read the Scriptures? God, in the midst of this kind of routine, normal talking, He says, my name My name is my name forever. It's my memorial name. I value my name. That's why in the Ten Commandments, we're told you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You'll not use it in some way that's that's, uh, without any purpose or meaning or just to satisfy some uh, quirk of your nature or, or the circumstances that you're in. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Lord will not hold Him guiltless that takes His name in vain because he's enthusiastic for that name. You know, there's some people, they don't like the name that they were given at birth, and so they go to the judge and they say, I want to change my name from uh, this to something else. But God says, I love my name. 
My name, which I have given myself, being God, my name is so precious, so wonderful to me. I'm enthusiastic about it. And to the Israelites and to me and to you, God says you should be enthusiastic about it too. To have that name, uh, to have God as your friend, to have God say, you can use my name in connection with your life and your purpose and your hopes and your dreams and everything else. And you can use my name in circumstances where people may be against you because it's a powerful name. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. Be enthusiastic about that. Now, God does not need to identify Himself to His name. To him. Let me start again. God does not need to identify Himself to, him, to Himself. He knows who He is. But the Israelites need to know Him as the radically distinct and self-existent God. It's a name that they haven't been using. It's a name that uh, is out of the midst of the past and, and now they're confronted with it. And God says, be enthusiastic about this name and every time you use it, think of who I am. The, the great, the one, the true God. And this is how all believers are to think of Him and never to think less of Him. If you use God's name in a profane way, in a, in a casual, unthinking way, it detracts from God in the minds of people. But if you hold that name sacred, then people realize that they're never to think less of God than that He is the unique, self-existent, eternal, all-powerful God. Now they will continue to use now this long-standing name that, that comes down from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even before that. But they will begin to think about Yahweh as different, as the great I Am, as the one true God. And that's what the Israelites needed to get a hold of at this point. This is the unchanging God who was and who is and who will ever be. We go to the New Testament again and we look at the book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8. And this is how Jesus is identified. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. That name which is above every name, that name of Jesus, has all the characteristics and meaning of Yahweh, the great I Am. Then thirdly, he, he uh, says, and Moses is supposed to convey this to the Israelites, he says, I am indeed concerned about you. And this is the way the love of God works. Because Yahweh the true God, the only God, the great I Am, is devoted to His people. And He cares about their sorrows. He cares even more than old Moses did when he was back in Egypt and he went out and slew the Egyptian taskmaster, feeling sorry for his people and concerned about it. God says, I'm more concerned than that. Far more than that. I'm concerned to save them from their sins. I'm concerned to save them from utter destruction, from hell itself. 
This is the God who now renews what? His friendship with His people. He was the friend of Abraham. He was the friend of Isaac. He was the friend of Jacob. He was the friend of all those in time past who put their trust in Him. And He says to the Israelites, I want to renew that friendship with you. Furthermore, I want to be your defense. And I want to give you a purpose that you've been lacking for centuries. That purpose is to serve the one true God. Oh, there were individuals here and there, Moses' parents and and various ones, but as a whole, they weren't really purposeful in their lives. They just were slaves. And they did what the Egyptians told them to do. And the Egyptians gave them some food to eat that they liked. And later when they're in the wilderness, they say, oh, we should go back to Egypt because we got to eat this vegetable and this kind of fish and this kind of meat and so forth. That's what they lived for. Just to exist. God says, I'm going to give you a new purpose. I'm going to be your friend. I'll defend you against your enemies. And I'll make you a blessing to all the nations of the world. If you'll simply hold on to me. Keep trusting me. And you know, God always carried out His love and devotion to His people through a mediator. Always. And Moses was, in this case, a mediator. But the Bible says there's really only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. All these others were types of Christ and types of the work that He does. But God says, I'm going to work with you through a mediator. You know, God could have come down from heaven and appeared like an angel or He could have sent an angel to the Israelites. He says, I'm sending this man to you. This man, Moses. And He is the one who stands between me and you. And He will bring you to God and God to you. Why did God work that way? Because that's the way God wanted it. That's what God wanted. It's not up to us to say, God, you should have done it another way. God says, I'm going to use Moses for that purpose and I'm going to use Jesus for that purpose too. To bring you to God and God to you. Well, at the same time that God says, I want to be your friend, I want to be your protector, and I want to give you purpose, God says, but I'm also concerned about justice. I'm also going to see that sin is punished. And I will punish the Egyptians, and I will punish the Israelites when they turn away from me and do not live for me and go to other gods. Well, then how can we be saved? If, if God who wants to be our friend is kept from being our friend because of our sinfulness. And the answer is, that God says, I'll send a mediator different from Moses because the mediator I send will be both the one who can establish friendship but also the one who can carry out justice. He will take your sins, He will take your punishment upon Himself as well as to give you this relationship with Me that you need. Jesus Christ fulfills both the concern and devotion of God and His justice as well. Well, One last point to make this morning. And that is, the God of your fathers has sent me. Moses was to say that to the 
Israelites. And you know, that's really the message of salvation. The God of your fathers has sent me. The God of your fathers is sending Moses to fulfill His promises. What promises? Going all the way back to Adam and Eve, but particularly to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's sending Moses to fulfill the promise. And that's the, that's the Gospel. The Gospel is that God has promised salvation to those who look to Him and trust in Him. Then in verse 15, the Lord or Yahweh is sending Moses to establish His covenant with Israel at Sinai. You're going to bring them back to this mountain, to Horeb, to Sinai. And, and there we will establish you as a nation. We will make you a people. And you will go to the promised land and you will be My people and My light to the Gentiles. You will be My means of bringing the whole world to the knowledge of the truth. The Lord is sending Moses to establish His covenant. I am sending Moses to demonstrate His rule over Egypt and all creation. What is God saying when Moses goes to Pharaoh and all of these plagues come upon the Egyptians? He's saying, I am the ruler of the river. I am the ruler of the frogs. I am the ruler of the gnats. I am the ruler of the light and the darkness. I am the ruler of everything. And that's the Gospel. The Gospel is that this God is a God that you have to deal with. You better be on the right side, but God says, I want to be your friend. I want to be your Savior. I want to give you purpose. I'm sending Moses to demonstrate that I am the ruler over Egypt and over all creation. Back in verse 8, he said this, and I want to close with this. He says, I am come down to deliver them. Now in that case, he was coming down to speak with Moses and to use Moses. But ultimately, he was to come down in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He literally did come down. God says, I am sent of Him. My Father has sent me. And then He said this, as, as the Father hath sent me, so send I you. Friends, we have a, a great message, a great Gospel to take to the world. That the one true God, the God beside whom there is no other, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent His Son into the world, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The God of your fathers has sent me. And that's Jesus, as well as Moses speaking. It's the message of salvation. May we rejoice in that today. May we rejoice in our friendship with God. May we rejoice in His loving care and protection. May we rejoice that our sins are taken away. May we rejoice that in Him we have everlasting life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for uh, Your name, Your holy name, Your great name, the name that is above every name. We pray, Lord, to hold that name dearly and carefully and to speak it to others, not as a curse or as a profane statement, but as the word of life for which we are enthusiastic and for which God Himself is enthusiastic. Help us, Lord, in these things. In Jesus' name, Amen.